Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Pine Rivers Vineyard. It's wonderful to have you all here this morning. Um, just an encouragement as we were in worship just then, I just had a picture um, as we sung different songs, it kind of elaborated more and more, but just saw a, a picture of a house um, uh, and, and it was on rock before we even sung that last song. And I could see the, um, there was four pillars in the, under the uh, ground and they, they were kind of glowing like they were, they were alive and active. And I felt like the Lord was saying that he is building, um, the foundations are getting stronger and stronger and he's building a, the foundation stronger and stronger in our lives. Those pillars are going deeper and deeper to make us stronger and stronger in him because he is our, our foundation. So I hope that's a, an encouragement to some of you out there this morning or to all of us uh, to really dig into that. Hey, yeah, David. Okay, go for it. Yep. Apparently the Lord's moving. Thank you. What you don't know is when this church was planted, the Lord showed us four pillars. One was worship, one was prayer, one was the word, and one was the works. And the works included healing and ministry and mercy. But the four pillars, and yesterday morning at prayer, I shared that with the folk. And the Lord said to us yesterday morning at prayer, and I just shared it with Neil, Jesus be the center. <laughs> so I just want to say God's on the job, and that's some of the old of this whole um, dragonfly taking some of the old and bringing it into the new. So I just want to bless what God's saying. Well done. Thanks, mate. Thanks, Lord. It's great, isn't it? I didn't know about that yesterday. Carol? Carol? Okay. <laughs> when we were singing about he rides on the clouds, I saw the Lord on the clouds. But then I saw a breakthrough. I saw the clouds parting and him coming down and in among us. I, but what I saw, Scott, and this will make you happy, I saw fire. I saw fire. Are you ready to receive the fire of his presence? We all love the love of his presence and the peace of his presence. But have you any idea what the fire of his presence is going to be like? Thank you, Lord. Hey, let's pray. <laughs> we should respond, huh? Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you that you're here with us right now, speaking. People that have not communicated with each other in the last few days, having... Same words, same pictures from, from you and all stories of your goodness and your greatness, your faithfulness and your promises. So we as your people, we just open ourselves up and whether you want to open your hands up or however you physically can respond to the Lord, we say yes, more, more of what you're wanting to do more of your presence, more of your power, more of your kingdom breaking in. And I thank you that the foundations and the pillars that are driving deep, they're not always visible, they're not always seen, but on this day I thank you that you're at work in our lives where we don't see all that stuff going on. 
that you're remaining faithful and true to us, that you're, build, you're continuing to, to give us such a firm foundation. And Jesus, that foundation is you. It's you. And we're going deeper and we're going further into you. You are the only foundation for life. There is no other. And we declare that this morning. So we welcome you here this morning to do all you want to do. We say yes to that. And I pray wherever we're at, that we would say to you that we want to just, even just that one step further into you and who, knowing who you are, just that one next step of following you today, that we would do it. Come and have your way, we pray. In Jesus' name. And I just ask, Lord, as we continue our... <laughs> just as we continue to worship that you would take our tithes and offerings this morning again this is about the foundation your work foundational work in our lives oh the lord's moving in this area right now you can feel it he's moving across the room there's something about your finances today so engage with the Lord and have conversation with him about your tithes, the offerings and, and, and the sense of, of, of money and its place in your life. Have that chat with him because he's moving across the room right now and wanting to do that. Again, Jesus, we declare that you are the foundation of our life. Nothing else will take your place. And as we come and give of our tithes and an offering, it's an act of worship, it's an acknowledgement to say that we declare that that is the case, that, that it's you, you're the centre. You are the centre and all of life comes from you, not from money. Mm. Mm. Thank you again for your faithfulness and your promises in our life in this area. And we just, uh, as collectively, we're, we're, we're on a journey of embracing and engaging um, in the cooling of this building, that, that we would continue to just journey with you and follow you into all you're calling us into, corporately, that we would do that, Lord. Yeah. Yeah. We bless and we honour you in your name. Amen. Amen. The details will be... They're already up behind me. If you want to lose, use electronic version to give up the back, you can move up any time during the service. There's a box for cash if you want to put it in there, or there is an um, electronic um, funds machine. that you can, There's some instructions. You can use that as well. Hey, uh, look, I just mentioned about the building project. I want to invite you to go online and go to the notices. If you're not getting notices, then um, email office at prv.org. PRVineyard.org.au. That'll get, um, and we can add you onto the list to get our our weekly emails. That would be great. I want to continue and invite you. Um, you'll see on there some details around the project of, of giving to to um, cool. We're calling it Operation Dragonfly, uh, and there's a reason for that because the Lord gave a picture. So the long story is, go and have a look. October 17 or 10 can't remember. Look at October 10 or 17 on our YouTube or Facebook pages to replay and you can hear what the Lord was saying about the, the project. Invite you to have a look at that and then engage with the Lord around how you might participate in um, Operation Dragonfly. Sounds very cool, if nothing else. It's a very, very cool little um, hashtag we've got going on there. Kirk, come on up here, mate. Why don't you welcome Kirk, everybody? Get out of your way. 
Cool, let's pray for Kirk as he brings the word this morning. Jesus, we're just so thankful for this series. Teach us to pray. Just as we wrap that up today, as this series, the series wraps up today, just ask, Lord, then through what Kirk says this morning and speaks, and as you move amongst us and touch us, that there'd be a sense of a seal that, that's placed on us in, in the sense of this work being one sense there's parts of it that are complete but also that the the journey's just beginning that there's a decree that's happening in our lives of an ongoing work in our life as a result jesus again we say you're the center and thank you for teaching us how to pray thank you for doing that and thank you that you're doing that on a daily basis in our lives yes so now fill kirk up let again, let all he says be what you want to have said this morning, Lord. Yes, Lord. And we just open our hearts to receive from you in your name. Amen. 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 Thanks, Scott. Um, I might just pop up on the, Isaac might just pop up that quick update on the, um, the aircon project, uh, the slides. Yeah, thanks, mate. If you could go to the next slide for us. Just to give you a quick update, here's where we're up to. I think last weekend we were at 6,000, so we're up to 20... 21,000 now. So thank you for your generosity and we invite you to keep on um, asking the Lord. And uh, so we've basically got enough in the pipe to commence a few things. And so, but, um, so that's for stage one, which is to get this area here um, two-thirds air conditioned. And then if we go to the next slide, um, uh, in speaking with the um, the guys who are supplying the panels, their plan is to have them up and on the roof uh, before the end of December and, and ready to plug into the new power boards and um, to be able to help cover the cost of running the air. So the finance for that is ready to go. So there's a, steps one and two are well underway. And then um, thanks, guys. You can drop that off the screen. And if you pop up, back on the screen um, this morning's teach that would be great thanks so this morning I want to finish off this conversation we've been having about the prayer of Jesus Uh, we started this series around uh, the time where we were living you know and we continue to live in a world that is very turbulent right now everything's groaning everyone's demanding the microphone everyone's proclaiming their worldview there's great tragedies in the earth that are happening and that i think at the time that we started this series was at the time when um uh, all of the turbulence was happening in afghanistan with um um, all of the forces pulling out of afghanistan and the um the quick oppression that was coming over the people of jesus in that nation and their flight uh, so please continue to pray for the, the, the Christian people of Afghanistan and pray for those who have um, taken power. Pray that they would have a revelation of Jesus. Pray for the king to come and make himself known to them, that they might turn their lives over to Jesus and let Jesus be Lord in that nation. Um, so we started at around about that time and... Uh, We've walked through a great deal of the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6, which we're going to read together um, shortly. But before we do, I want to 
reach into the, uh, the last part of that prayer in uh, Matthew 6, verse 13, where Jesus says to his disciples, when you pray to the Father, pray this. He says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So Jesus is equipping his people to pray specifically to the Father for this very area called temptation and the nature of deliverance from it. Now, temptation, if we go to the second slide, it's an interesting word. It's, it's one that as soon as we put that word up in front of ourselves, we might all, all of a sudden have memories, moments and images of being either drawn towards or participating in things, activities, relationships, practices, lifestyles that we fundamentally know that are in, in conflict with the reality of Jesus. And we just know it because Christ lives in us by the power of his Holy Spirit. And, and so Jesus says, when you pray, ask the Father to set you free from the power of the nature of temptation. And what Jesus is really saying in that moment is he's saying, heads up, guys, you are going to have to deal with temptation. Heads up. It's not, a, it's not something that you can skirt around. It's not something that you can deny and hide from. You will have to navigate your way through these life moments where you are being drawn towards something that we fundamentally know is not Jesus. Temptation is this, this pressure to give way under a, a relentless or even, you know, we often sort of have these classic images of temptation as like these um, sort of very powerful, relentless moments. But they can also be very nuanced, very slight, very like the wind of the air kind of things that just pass our, our mind or our heart or our, our um, physical body, and it's, it draws us towards and away from. And we'll talk a little bit about the nature of that as we go this morning. But temptation. My, so my question is, why would Jesus be asking, and what did Jesus have in mind when he was saying to his disciples, guys, you're going to have to deal with this thing. What was in Jesus' head? Now, before we get there, if we can go two slides forward. Uh, to, um, to slide four would be great. Just to give you a quick, quick recap on where we've journeyed over the last couple of weeks, we've started with this fact that the world is groaning, creation is groaning, people are groaning, the kingdom of God is groaning into the earth. And it's our high calling as the disciples of Jesus to be these people to know what we do when we pray how to pray, who we're praying to, and along with this, the Holy Spirit is upon us, empowering us in our weakness to know what to pray, even when we don't know what to pray. This, this is what's going on in us. And remember Romans 8, we don't know what to pray in our weaknesses, but the Holy Spirit fills us in that. Now, we've spoken about the dynamics of all of that. But in, in, in Jesus' mind, when he's talking about teaching his disciples to pray in Matthew chapter 6, he's teaching them how to be a people of heaven and earth in the moment where the world is at pain. 
not to be a people who want to escape the earth to get to heaven to avoid the pain, but to move towards the turbulence that's going on in the world as the people of heaven and earth in the authority of the name of Jesus. We're not trying to avoid, we're trying to walk towards and see the kingdom come. Where it's a prayer of invocation. It's a prayer of calling on the character of God. It's a prayer of deliverance where God brings the, the heart of the prayer is Jesus is saying, ask the Father to bring you out from under the rulers and the reigners of the principalities and the dynamics in the spirit and in the earth and bring you in and underneath the lordship of our good Father. It's a prayer of transformation. It's a prayer of change that when you invoke God, God will change you. When you invoke God into a circumstance, circumstance will change. When you invite God into a place of um, oppression, freedom comes. And it's a prayer of new creation where we are reconciled to God and to who God says we really are. All of these things are going on when we're praying. And we're praying to our Father. We've, we've gone over this a hundred times. I hope the nail is finally kind of like driving in because I just feel like we need to keep banging away at that until we know that we know that we know who our Father is. Because if we don't know who our Father is, we will accept anyone to be our Father. We'll give ourselves away. But Jesus is saying, and we went through this, it's the God of Exodus, the one who hears, the one who moves, the one who breaks through, the one who delivers, and the one who reconciles, all because he is the God of love. He's the Father who provides, on a, and he has a, there's a reliability to our Father. Jesus says, ask him for daily bread and you'll get your daily bread. He's saying, live in the reliability of who your Father in heaven is, as revealed through Jesus. Live in him. Establishing a forgiveness culture in the earth. Releasing jubilee, debt release. We went through all of these things. And now, here we are at this point of dealing with what I think is perhaps the crucible moment of what Jesus is drawing his disciples to. What was going on in his head? What was going on in his mind? This is perhaps one of the strongest calls of to discipleship. But before we get there, if I can go back to slide three, Isaac, and then we're going to um, stand and pray together the Lord's Prayer. So why don't you stand, guys? We can go back to slide three. Thanks, Isaac. And we're going to pray this together. All righty. So Jesus said to his disciples, this then is how you should pray. Let's repeat. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Amen. Take a seat. What is Jesus getting at? Let's go to slide five, mate. What is Jesus getting at? This word temptation, it's an interesting one. Periasmos. How's that for some Greek? Just flowing off the tongue like that, hey? For a Sunday morning. It took a few coffees, but I got there. Periasmos. It's probably actually got a really bad Australian edge to it as well. <laughs> but anyway, there's enough Greek there to be able to get the guts of it. It literally means 
testing, prove, approving, or a great trial. So why is Jesus talking about this? What is this sense of great trial or testing that he is saying to his disciples? Ask the Father to lead you away from this, if at all possible, at all times. Some suggest here that Jesus is actually already, on one hand, he's already thinking about the cross. Now remember the situation here. Jesus and his disciples are having these great moments of deliverance and power and seeing the kingdom come. And so the disciples, they're pretty, they're pretty hot to go. We're with JC. We're seeing it all going on. Humpty Dumpty, it's all great. Things are happening. And then Jesus all of a sudden says, guys, heads up. Heads up. Because you are going to be coming into great trial, great pressure, great testing, And he's not talking about the end of the world. He's talking about your daily discipleship of walking with your Father. He's talking about the human experience, this side of the fullness of the kingdom coming. In one sense, Jesus is alluding to this towards the cross. Jesus is already pointing out to his disciples and he's saying, I can see down the road a little bit and there's coming a moment for me And there's going to come a moment for you where you are going to experience great trial and temptation. And in that moment, you're going to be surrounded by powers that are beyond your power to control. You are going to find yourself in moments where there is these dynamics around you that are greater than your ability to have any influence over at times. And you'll find yourself in the crosshairs of where the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of God is colliding. He's at, so Jesus is kind of, and if you, you're thinking forward a little bit, Jesus, I think, already has, in fact, in mind his mission. And one John tells us that, that the Son of God came to destroy the devil's work. Jesus knew in himself his assignment. So he knew that he was going to have to confront all of the powers that were in rebellion to the authority of God. Jesus was already looking forward to that moment, not with a sense of um, like, well, on the one level, it's kind of a bit of a two-sided coin really, isn't it? Because on the one level, the writer to the Hebrews tells us that for the joy set before him, he endured that. He went towards that, that power, power encounter. And yet at the same time, in the same moment, in the garden, the evening before, on the other side of the coin, he's saying, Father, if there is any other way, would you take this assignment away from me? It's a both-end coin. It's a both-end experience. It's an experience of like, I know this is going to be the the, the most wise, joy-filled reality that's taking place. And yet, at the same time, it's a place of great pain and great suffering. So Jesus is in this moment in the garden. It's all about gardens. Where else in the Bible do we see a garden? We see a garden in the beginning, don't we? And what do we see take place in that, that garden? So Jesus is he's talking about what's coming and the pressure of that because he knows 
the big story of God, of what's happened even in his own people, way back at the very foundations of creation. What happens in the garden? God gives Adam and Eve, human beings, their assignment in this life. Steward this massive creation that I've given you. Go for it. Multiply. Have dominion over it. All these things, but just don't touch that. What happens? The powers that are in rebellion to God already at this point are at work in the earth. There's a pre-story to the story of Genesis that the Bible alludes to, but we kind of can't draw all the pieces together. But there's enough of it to say there's something going on even before the creation of the world. There's some kind of cosmic conflict. There's some kind of spiritual contest that's going on. And then God, in the face of all of that, sets about reordering all of his creation. And, he's, and then he says to Adam, have dominion over all this. Enjoy this. Multiply this. Be fruitful. And the enemy comes along and says to Adam and Eve, did God really say you shouldn't eat that? And, and don't you know that if you, if you do eat that, that's, he doesn't want you to eat that? That's, that's because he doesn't want you to be like him which they already were like God. They were reflections of his true identity. And they, they fell for it. And they bought into the assignment of the powers that are opposed to the lordship of God and his goodness. And they gave way to that pressure. And it was a, just, it was a trial. It was a it was one of those moments, those testing moments, those proving moments where it proved a few things. It proved that the enemy is the enemy, who is a thief, who wants to rob people of what God's plan is, and he even wants to rob God of who God, what God's rightly due as the maker of all things of heaven and earth. And it also proves something about humanity, that when the pressure is on, we yield to where the pressure's coming from. There's a, a fragile nature about who we are. There's a, a tendency for us to go, to be easily drawn away and into things that we, just fu- we fundamentally know aren't Jesus, aren't God. So Jesus is like that garden back there, and he's... And he knows there's another garden coming up here. And so he's saying to his people, right in the thick of this, in all of the turmoil of your life, everyday experience, you will have to navigate these proven realities about who the enemy is, who God is, and who you are. And you're going to have to do it day after day after day until the fullness of the kingdom comes. Jesus is equipping his disciples. He is empowering them with a knowledge and a reality that to walk in this life, we will experience both great signs, wonders, miracles, forgivenesses, reconciliation, jubilee, power, and deliverance. And we will, at the same time, it will be filled with daily testing and proving moments where there will come great pressure to yield and walk away. Walk, just walk away. It's all too hard. I'm just going to walk away. Jesus knows that. 
He knows the pressure of that. That's why he said those words in the Garden of Gethsemane. Father, if there's another way, take this from me. He, un- he understands our condition. He took on our flesh and lived our life. But there's these testing, proving moments where there's great pressure to yield to the powers that are around us, spiritual powers that are demonic in nature, the stuff that wants to fleetingly pass through your mind and your, your home in the darkness of the night to cause you to fear and be anxious about tomorrow. The enemy comes with both nuanced and just right up confrontation in dreams. The other night, Nicole woke up from a dream and she was just like sweating like crazy and she was like, heart was raging. And she said, I just had a dream and it was not from the Lord. And so we prayed and we asked for the king to come and clean her and free her from just the, just the power of the demonic to come and harass and rob and kill and destroy that she might know peace and sleep and the goodness of God in the watch of the night. I mean, you've all been there. You all know this, those terrorizing moments. The enemy is relentless. There's environmental powers. There's cultural powers right now that are just raging in the earth. There are worldviews that are jumping up all over the place. And I just want to let you know that even though that there's these big microphones right now that are flowing into the earth, and, and, and big speakers that are propagating all sorts of worldviews that are not the worldview of the Bible that we understand is a revelation of who God is and who we are and the hope for the world. They're, pro- they're proclaiming all sorts of worldviews, you know, where it's okay to kill children in the womb. You know, and, and, and seeing that as this is a good and fine thing for human beings to do to each other. That's just one worldview. There are so many worldviews right now that are being propagated into our world, our time that we're living in. There's cultural worldviews happening, um, environmental powers. But let me tell you this. This week I attended, I think it was last week, I attended a seminar online with a bunch of... um, people that take statistics and stuff. <laughs> I can't think of their name. But anyway, this guy uh, is a demographer, a demographer. And, um, and he has just done a survey of the last 18 months of the spiritual climate of Australians through the course of a pandemic. And he's interviewed far and wide. And he's ca- gathered all this information and it was, I was quite surprised at the statistics because you would think that there's more and more, according to the narratives and the worldviews and the cultural microphones and speakers that are on the TV and the newspapers every day and the social media streams, that the church is dying and that people are running away from God. That's not what the statistics are saying. The statistics are saying that, in fact, 
the church over the last 18 months in Australia has grown. It has grown by 1%. It has gone from 15 to 16% of Australians attend a church once a month. By the way, once a month is now considered regular church attendance. That's why you don't see each other each week. But that's what it means. That, that's what the stats are. Once upon a time, culturally, regular meant one and even twice a week. <laughs> Corey grew up in twice a week. <laughs> morning and evening, morning and evening. <laughs> but now it's once a month. That, that's, that's the picture. But the other thing was, which was really interesting was this, that the younger the scale went in terms of age, the younger, the more welcoming. Now, this is, this, the more welcoming of a conversation about Jesus exists with the young people. Not us, <laughs> the young people. <laughs> They're more welcoming, dramatically so, of conversations about Jesus than those of us who've been going for a little while longer. I don't know if it's because I think cynicism might have a bit of something to do with it. You know, you get older and you become a bit more cynical and you get a little bit harder and you have to work harder at staying soft and formed and shaped by God, even though you've had to go through difficulties and trials and temptations and stuff that's hard. But the young people are still in this formative space. They're trying to figure out who to listen to and who they are and what's the world all about and where's my place in it. A lot of us that have done the journey, some of us are at the other end of that and going, well, I couldn't figure it out and I'm exhausted. (laughs) That's true. It's true. So I'm just going to buy a caravan, I'm going to buy a boat, I'm going to mow my grass three times a week and call it retirement. Are we living for that? Are we? Are we? Are we living for that? No, we're not. We're living for the kingdom of God. We're living for the kingdom of God. But the other interesting st- stat that I'll just share with you was this: out of all of the people that you know as followers of Jesus, out of all of the people that you have personal relationship with, in the last eighteen months. If you had spoken to them and invited them to join you visiting a local church to worship Jesus, one out of two of them would say yes and come with you. Because some of the other stats behind that are, in this last 18 months, more people are praying to God than ever before in Australian culture. Because of all of the just the pandemic issues, all the shutdowns, lockdowns, all of the turbulence. It's like, oh, God, people are actually praying. Just close your eyes for a minute. Let's just take a moment. Lord, show us all of the people that are a part of our life, the life where you've placed us to live your kingdom story our workmates, 
our university mates, our schoolmates, our family members. Lord, would you put them in our heart to keep praying for them? And would you, by your spirit, give us the grace and the joy and the freedom to invite them to come with us on the journey of following Jesus as Lord, that we might invite them to church. Knowing, Lord, we know that half the time they'll probably look at us and go, forget it. But we also know now, Lord, that half the time they're going to say, you know what, I'm going to come with you. Lord, let this be like an invitation to a really awesome experience in you for each and every one of us in this next season, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Environmental powers and people powers, those to whom we give um, positions of authority and ascribe power to. All of these things are going on. We must remember, though, it is not the Lord, who our God, who is testing us. He is not trying to prove something in us through the testing. He is not putting us in a difficult and even tragic situation. If we can go to um, slide six, thanks, uh, Isaac, that'd be great. It's not God. James 1, 13 tells us, when tempted, no one should say, God's tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, and nor does he tempt anyone. It's not the character of God to put you in a tempting moment to say, oh, he's trying to prove something in me. No, 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 no. It's not, it's not the Lord who's trying to prove something in you. It's the work of the enemy who's trying to prove something. And he's trying to prove to God that God's got it wrong. And he's, and he's trying to use God's own creation to shove it in his grill and in his face and say, see, God, you got it wrong. And so Jesus is equipping his people. He's, he's, he's equipping his people to know how to engage with God Jesus is aware and he's training his disciples to prepare for the moments in their life that's going to come of incredible pressure from the powers that are at work in the world. To and these moments are mo mo moments of proving. The enemy will come and we will be given, um, we will find ourselves in the moment asking ourselves, proving to ourselves what do I actually believe in this moment about God, who he says I am, who I think I am, and what the world, who the world's telling me I am? There's, there's, there's a moment here. There's a moment to know what I'm going to believe in. There's a moment here of proving, actually, because I believe this, I'm going to let that flow into my behaviour my choices, and in that moment, we are given uh, going to be navigating through the opportunity. Well, it's not an opportunity. It's a contest to prove that God is a good, good father. Now, most of the time, we are 
we, you know, past failures, current failures, where we have yielded to temptation, want to continue to lord it over us. But Jesus wants to say, let me be the Lord. Let me be the Lord. Let me be the risen one who knows what it means to journey through temptation and come out on the other side. So what is the... I want to ask the question this morning. What is uh, the temptation or the trial that you and I are facing in this moment? What's the, what's the pressure point? If we could go to slide seven, thanks, mate. Um, what's the temptation that you're having to navigate right now? Is it a relationship of compromising who God says you are? Are you in a relationship that's participating in a relationship that's actually robbing you of who God says you are? Is it a business decision that compromises the nature of our Father's reliability to prove himself faithful to you by giving you your daily bread? Is it a trust issue where disappointment and pain have now become the Lord over your revelation of God's love and power for you in Jesus? Is it the adoption of a culture or a, or a world, worldly worldview that, you know, by adopting it, you might be, be somehow a little more welcomed or palatable to those around you that you want to be acceptable and accepted by? Or is it the great desire to take control over a person or a circumstance that you find yourself in? Where's, where's the... Where's the trial going on? Because it's going on for all of us. I wonder where that moment of testing is for each of us today. Let me finish with this. Jesus goes through temptation for us and he goes through temptation with us he goes through it for us and then he goes through it with us there's something about this point over here that we all have to walk with each day the crucified life On the one hand, Jesus goes through it on our behalf from the garden to the cross and through the grave. And on the other hand, he's letting us, his disciples, know that our human experience will mean we too will walk through these moments to ask, uh, just get me out of here rather than your kingdom come. Jesus is always equipping his, his people. And remember how the prayer began Remember how Jesus equipped him to pray at the beginning? What was the, what was the first words? Our Father. When the trial is on, the go-to position for the people of Jesus and the kingdom is, oh yeah, it's on, but our Father. Oh yeah, it's on. I know it because I am sweating or I am like feeling the pressure on this. 
I am, I am like on the edge of yielding and giving myself away to that thing, those relationships, those decisions, those activities. I, I, I know the pressure. I am right there, but oh, that's right. By the help of the Holy Spirit who helps me in my weaknesses to know how to pray in a moment like that says, remember, our Father. Remember our Father. That's where it began, this prayer began. Always return to the beginning. And look what happens when our God, as a Father, through His Son, made way through the temptation and the works of the evil and the evil one. The other, the other thing was, even before Jesus started kingdom ministry and mission, in Luke chapter 4, when Jesus is anointed by the Holy Spirit, then at his baptism, he is sent into the desert for a time of testing. To, so that, because the enemy was like, I'm going to prove, even you, Jesus, under the power of the Holy Spirit, I'm going to prove you are going to abandon the Father. And right through that, by the power of the Spirit, by the yielding to his Father's will, Jesus, as a human being, filled with the Spirit, was able to confront each and every one of those trials. And then at the end of that, it says, and he returned in the power of the Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Jesus returned in the power of the Holy Spirit, and on the third day, he rose from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. And the power that rose Christ from the dead, Paul says, now lives in you who believe in Jesus Christ as Lord. That same power helps us in our moment of need. Jesus is equipping his disciples to be quick to recognize and to quickly call to our Father and to remain faithful to him. This is... Will, will he find faithfulness in the earth when he returns? This, this is what it's all about. Discipleship is I am choosing to hold on to who the Father is as revealed through Christ. And when he returns, he will find faith in the earth. And it's the crucified lamb. If you go to the end of the end of the story in the book of Revelation... John's revelation. It's the crucified lamb and the ones who have said, I will stay faithful to you, Jesus, who have walked through all of the trials that this life brings through that work of the enemy who is opposed to the knowledge of God in the earth. You guys, we are in a huge spiritual contest and it's being played out in the way I parent. It's being played out in the way I choose to love my wife. It's being played out in the way I choose to spend my resources and the vision that I'm going to give my life to. That's where it's being played out. And every day, that enemy is relentless. 
He will tempt and tempt and tempt. But know this, our Father, He remains faithful and He's looking for His children to remain faithful to Him. He hears us. He comes to us. He stands with us. He walks through all of these trials and difficulties with us so that He can establish His rule and authority in the earth just like it is in heaven. Remember the second part of the prayer. Your kingdom come into the earth, just like it is in heaven. How? Not because we're asking for some mystical thing to somehow happen, but it's because the people of Jesus are the empowered ones, have shown the enemy, no, you're not my dad. My father is the father of the Lord Jesus Christ, and I will hold on to him no matter what you tell me. No what you bring against me, I will remain true by the power and the help of the Holy Spirit. Have mercy on me, God. Let me live a different story that the world would know Jesus is Lord. Friends, that's what we're living in. It's not about being good people, hoping to get to heaven. We are the disciples of King Jesus, and we do not avoid these moments. We don't try and deny these moments. We acknowledge them and say, Father, this is hard yards today. Would you take this cup from me, but not not what I want. Glorify yourself through me. Let my choices tell a better story. Let 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 my home be a home of your kingdom presence in a street that is just running wild against you. Somehow, God, fill me with your spirit. Don't let me avoid these moments. Let me walk through them. Don't let me confuse these moments and where they're coming from and what they're trying to tell me about who you are and who I am. By the power of your spirit, help me in my weakness. Give me bread today, Lord. we got a big agenda on today. Your kingdom's coming into the earth and it's coming through my yes to you. Show me the way. Forgive me of my my sin and I just release jubilee. I let go of everyone who I think owes me something and I release them into your kingdom care and jubilee. Wow, God, the freedom reigns. And, Lord, lead me not into temptation because I know you are not the tempter, but I know it's going to come. Don't, he's not saying I'm attributing temptation to you, Lord. He's saying I, lead me not there because I know it's hard when it comes. But deliver me from the power of the evil one. Man, Jesus has given us such an empowered invitation and life. But where is the temptation, the pressure, the trial, the proving happening for you? Have you given up on your kids? Have you given up on your students at school that you're teaching and just go, that's no point, that kid's an idiot, he'll never change. Have you given up on the work colleagues who have told you 25 times to your invitations? Would you, would you come to church with me? Have you given up there? Have you given up on your, your grandchildren? Have you, have you given up on the, the unethical powers that, that are taking place in those that we've ascribed authority to to lead us as a nation and serve us? Have we, have we given up or are we, are we like Jesus in this season? 
And as Tom Wright says, we're the people of the kingdom who have been given a call to pray. And what that means is we step towards where the world is in convulsion. And we say, our Father, our Father, we live a different story. We live a different story. Teach us to pray. We as the people of the kingdom, we are also a thankful people. We're thankful to Jesus that he, in the moment of the greatest trial and temptation, held true to the Father's will and he went and confronted the powers of evil and the evil one himself by going to the cross, conquering Satan and death and rising victoriously on the third day. We are his people. We are kingdom people. We are thankful people. We are thankful for the power and the love of Jesus at the cross and over the grave and we are thankful people that we live with the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on our life, in our life, and through our life, that we might be the people who know how to pray. Thy kingdom come. I hope this has been an encouraging series. I have just loved digging into it. There's layers I haven't even touched, but it's so encouraging. Jesus, Jesus, wants us to be the ones who walk with him through this and into seeing his reconciling love touch the people all around us that they might know Jesus as Lord. Let's conclude this little time together by, um, we're going to read that prayer again together. Can I get that slide with the Lord's Prayer on there? And then once we've read that, I want to just go back to what happened during worship time this morning <clears throat> where the Holy Spirit was ministering and moving and um, particularly about foundations and pillars. I feel like the Lord is like, you know what? The world is turbulent, but our foundation is our God. He wants to just secure you in who his foundations. So if you're feeling a little wobbly and knocked about Jesus wants to give you the security of his presence again to your life or it might not just be for you it might be for a relationship that you're in or a circumstance that you're concerned for and you can see it just being like swallowed up by the by the work of the enemy and it's like God help me to reach into that with your love and and the other part of that was during the worship this morning was the, the, the Holy Spirit, the fiery presence of the Holy Spirit was moving here. I, I, if you, I, I feel like God's saying, I want to fill you with my spirit. Fill you with my spirit to be the people that know how to pray and walk the kingdom. <laughs>